Hey everybody, welcome back to Hints and Guesses. My podcast, this is Kent Dobson. I want to do a, a podcast series here, a short series on Advent. Advent is the season in the Christian calendar when we anticipate the coming birth of Jesus and it's the it's the time of year where kind of light and darkness are in play, are in conversation and as the days grow shorter and we approach the darkest night of the year, something in us um, longs for a sliver of light coming through the cracks. There's a genius to, to really to the Christian calendar and to the, the way it's connected to the, the natural rhythms of the year. Human beings, as far as we know, across all religions, cultures, and spiritualities have found meaning in relationship to the turning of the seasons and uh, a kind of deep recognition that my life, my small life, and the life of my family and the life of my community is deeply interwoven with the life of the earth and of sun and moon and stars and uh, rain and crops and the the kind of gratuitous um, explosion of vitality that is the natural world of which we are a part and which, of which is coursing through our, our veins. And, and there's something about our utter dependence on on the natural world and on on, on, on the great mysteries which are are out of our ability to control. How did any of us get here? Uh, and anyway, there's a kind of genius to the to the Christian calendar and and to the Jewish calendar, which they're related, of course. Um, that helps call us back toward a sense of meaning, and and I've been feeling that need lately. I think because, in a way, I could feel Advent coming, and almost like longing for something like that um because i maybe because november was so insane from the election and the tensions around that and the kind of the feeling of of it being unsettled and and also thanksgiving and the ways in which all of us had to to wrestle with where should I go? Who should I invite? What's possible? What's smart? What's, um, and, and I think every single person that I knew came to slightly different conclusions about that. There wasn't a, um, kind of a one size fits all answer and, and just feeling the, the kind of chaos in a way of the November, of the November 2020. I mean, it's, it kind of reminds me of, of Yeats's poem turning in the, uh, the second coming poem, turning and turning in the widening gyre, the Falcon cannot hear the falconer. It's like, we're getting further away from swinging out. Um, we can't hear the voice of the falconer and, um, the center, something like that. And, um, yeah, and so I, I I could feel 
a bit of a bit of longing and and maybe maybe some of it is that you know personally I've been to church in a long time and and uh, C3 which I'm a part of in in West Michigan uh, here um, is an inclusive spiritual community but we're not particularly connected to the Christian calendar and to the to the, to the rhythm so there's something I I miss about that and and I'm feeling a bit of that right now and a friend of mine, Tony Jones, uh, who was also the editor of my book, Bitten by a Camel, was speaking at C3 actually this past week. You should check it out online. Really excellent, amazing talk. And um, and he mentioned the the Advent reading for this week. And 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 again, it sort of like um, struck a chord. And so I want to return to these readings. I want to make four podcasts and. I don't know how long they'll be. I always <laughs> think they'll, they're going to be short and they end up being longer than, than I maybe thought they would be. Um, but I want to read the four, the traditional Advent readings. I know there's a three-year calendar, so I'm, I'm picking the, the readings for the, uh, 2020. And, um, and I want to try to listen to these texts and open up to them and open up to their, the depth that is there. Um, and if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, whenever I talk about biblical stories or um, ancient stories, I try to run them through kind of the um, a three-fold braid, something like that, uh, three chords, and... Uh, and they are a story. What's the story? Uh, what's the context? And what's the symbol? And I'm going to try to do that with these passages. And um, and so, yeah, I, I, I invite you to into this Advent season in your own way. Whether you go to church and or you don't, or you're um, or you're watching something online, like so many people. Um, I hope that you hear something today that kind of behind my words and even maybe behind the words of the scriptures that strikes a chord that um, calls you to the light so to speak because after all I think it's that it's the tension between light and darkness and it's feeling I think a bit of our of our own darkness and the darkness of the age that we're in that um I think is needed and necessary, especially if you want to be a conscious uh, human being on the earth right now and not um, waste away in a sea of distractions and, and feeling that darkness, our own inner darkness and, and the darkness of our age also awakens within us our capacity to long for and see a bit of the light, a bit of what's right around the corner, a bit of what's already breaking and dawning. Uh, in the midst of of the kind of the place that we find ourselves in. So that's what I want to do. I'm going to read uh, today from the book of Matthew and the today's Advent reading. I'm going to follow the the readings, the Sunday reading. So there are four of them, uh, plus Christmas Eve. I don't know if I'll actually do that one. We'll see. Um, but these four readings, the first one comes from Matthew chapter 24. And it's a little section entitled, The Day and Hour Unknown. <laughs> it used to be the case that the apocalyptic passages in 
the scriptures that come from the mouth of Jesus or like books like Daniel, books like Revelation. I think because I was so inundated as a kid with um, end times theology, which is sort of um, be afraid and um, reading some of these apocalyptic passages very literally that I kind of got a bad taste in my mouth and it's taken me a while to come back around and to to sense the 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 brilliance and the genius uh, hidden in these apocalyptic passages and and I think it's so interesting that the Advent reading begins with some apocalypse and so maybe maybe I'll read it and then I'll back up a little bit because I think um, what's the story what's the context and what's what's the symbol here um, might require me to back up a little bit. So here's the passage, first of all, without any commentary. So as Jesus always says, he or she who has ears to hear, let them hear. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So again, that's a reading from Matthew chapter 24. So uh, let's spend a few minutes and just try to dive into the, first of all, the story. And I think it's important to say that these teachings in Matthew are placed near the end of Jesus's life, when he's in Jerusalem. So in other words, just days before he's about to be arrested. And that kind of ups the stakes of what Jesus is talking about here. He's kind of preaching about uh, a kind of anticipation that um, what's least expected is, is at hand and could happen at any moment. And, um, and of course, from the disciples' point of view and those who are following Jesus, something very unexpected, meaning Jesus' is only, uh, Jesus's arrest and, um, and his trial and, and crucifixion and so forth is, is about to take place. And no one, no one uh, I think, anticipates the kind of drama that's about to unfold, the kind of um, surprise that, and and really a kind of 
um, rewriting of messianic expectations that's about to take place. No one's anticipating this. So it's important to say that in terms of um, what's the story? Well, the story is that Jesus is talking about the day and the hour being unknown right before he's about to be arrested. And, um, and more than that, if we back up a little bit, just before all this, Jesus is um, kind of referencing some of the apocalyptic literature that's in the Hebrew Bible, talking about a day when the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give light and the stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will, will be shaken. It's kind of uh, very dramatic imagery. And at that time, the Son of, the son of Man will appear. And this is, um, if you listen to my audiobook, which I um, encourage you uh, encourage you to buy. It's free to my uh, patrons on Patreon, but everyone else, $10 it's on my website. I talk a bit about the Son of Man. I, I, I think the Son of Man is something like Jesus's soul image, if I can use such a phrase. It's, it's his self-referential title. And it means, very straightforward in Hebrew, the Son of Humanity. And when Jesus refers to himself, he does so as the Son of Humanity. And that's also echoed in certain books of the, of the Hebrew Scriptures, Ezekiel in particular, a bit in Isaiah, some in Jeremiah, um, one other place. Several of the other prophetic uh, books also talk about the coming of the Son of Man, the Son of Humanity, which is a very interesting title. And it gives us a window into um, how Jesus identifies and, and kind of the aim of of his life's work, which is another way of talking about soul. That's why I call it something like a soul image, his essence. He's a child of humanity. And, and in his own words, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give up his life, something like that. Um, but anyway, he's talking about the this um, prophetic time uh, anticipated by the prophets, where there'll be massive distress, and the foundations of society and culture and the earth will shake, and um, and it's at this point that the coming of the Messiah, which really means anointed one, will take place. That almost like the Messiah will slip in here when when things are difficult. And that's a very interesting uh, symbol. I'm jumping ahead of myself just a little bit, that the kind of Messiah, or if you want to think about Messiah as a kind of archetype, slips in, first of all, when you least expect it. That's part of saying when the day and the hour is unknown. And also in, in periods of stress and difficulty. And, and war and famine and earthquakes and, and fire and, and like when the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Um, and Jesus is speaking about this age. And maybe it's important to say in terms of context here that... Um, Apocalypse means to reveal. You've probably heard me say that before. Apocalypse means to reveal. It doesn't mean the end of the world. That's the way people use it today. But it means to reveal. And apocalyptic literature, 
is a whole genre of literature of which the Bible dabbles in and, and several other um, books that were floating around during that time period, both before and after the time period of Jesus, could be considered apocalyptic um, writings. And it's important to remember they're trying to reveal something. They're trying to reveal something hidden in plain sight, so to speak. It's like it's like seeing behind the curtain that the veil comes, uh, the veil is removed for a moment. And oftentimes what happens is that revealing has a very specific political context. Like the book of Matthew is written... Um, in the reign of the Roman Empire, when the Roman Empire was in charge of the traditional lands of Israel, Judea, as it would have been called at the time. In other words, Israel was not an autonomous nation. They had lost their own autonomy from going back to the destruction of the Babylonians in 586 BC. So for 500 years or so, um, minus a very tiny window with Herod the Great, uh, under whom uh, Jesus is born, minus that tiny window, they have been under the thumb of someone. And here they find themselves again under the thumb of the Roman Empire. The, uh, the mega power of the day. And, and the pressures, it pr- probably not... Uh, new to many listeners of this podcast, but the pressures of the Roman Empire on the people of Israel were quite severe. There was taxation. They had a kind of an on and off relationship with with them, like, um, in other words, sometimes persecuting them, sometimes not, sometimes cracking down, sometimes not. Very tense. And um, there was also a lot of tension with the leadership in Jerusalem, especially around the high priests and their sort of collusion and cooperation with the Roman Empire, which on the one hand, you could say, hey, you know, um, what can you expect? This is, how else are you supposed to to deal with a foreign power that can crush you at a, you know, on a moment's notice? Um, and also a bit of self-preservation mixed in with that. But from a religious point of view, from sort of the ordinary citizen, the idea that they would be up under another foreign power was something that the Messiah and the Messianic age was thought to um, liberate. And in other words, the coming Messiah was going to liberate us from being under the thumb of some foreign power and all of their foreign gods and uh, deities and taxation system and economy and just to feel again a bit of the liberation, um, connected again to the falconer, if you want to use that uh, image. Or in, um, in Judaism, the image of the father. And, you know, I, I know sometimes in Christian circles we hear sort of um, our father who art in heaven, we think this is connected to Trinitarian theology. And in some ways it is, but it predates Trinitarian theology, um, the Jewish prayer book also contains the same phrase, which was being uh, written and used during this same time period. Avienu, our Father, who art in heaven. Um, So the image, and I'm, I'm thinking symbolically here, the image that 
there is a kind of father to whom we are connected that is bigger than any economy, any power, any system, um, foreign or domestic, that kind of thing, is was at the heart of what we may, might could even call Jewish consciousness at the time. And so kind of anticipating the Messiah, and, and Judaism was, what, was not one thing, it's important maybe to say from a contextual point of view, many different groups had different ideas about what the Messiah was, everything from kind of, you could even say kind of a metaphor, um, to, to a, a very literal figure that will come and be a kind of warrior king and, and help, help us fight and free ourselves from the yoke of Rome, just as we did under um, the yoke, uh, just like we did during the Maccabees in 167 BC, kicked off the Greek um, rulers of the day and um, kind of liberated the temple. So that, that was kind of in the waters, everything from, from that to maybe a, a kind of a metaphoric coming of the Messiah. I mean, it just depends on who you would talk to. It's kind of like, um, you know, who is the Messiah in the first century? Or what's the Messiah going to do? Yeah, it depends on who you ask. So just know that Judaism wasn't a single thing during those, uh, during the time when Jesus was teaching and talking and so forth. So um, maybe one other thing about context that I want to say about apocalyptic literature. And um, I think today, in the 21st century, there's a bit of danger in in hearing the words of Jesus about the day and the hour being unknown, the coming, the end of the age, the end of the era. There are two sort of extremes here. One is literalism, and that is to take it very literally and say, no, the Son of Man is going to come in the sky in the clouds and appear and one person's going to be in a field and be swept up and the other's going to be, you know, grinding at the mill and be taken away. This is where um, books like Left Behind uh, take their cues from and, you know, sort of this idea that an, a select and elect few, which is language that's in all in Matthew here, are going to be taken up and sort of um, sucked up into the clouds and then all hell's going to break loose and, and eventually humanity is going to more or less destroy itself and then and then the the saved are going to come down and kind of rule on on earth um, which is exactly what the let's just say the symbol suggests but one extreme is to to read everything very literally and I think the other extreme is to take everything as a as a kind of metaphor that that nothing here is historical and refers to nothing on the ground, politically, economically, real time, in what we could just call history. And everything is just a metaphor. And, and I think both of those miss the mark a little bit. And that's the genius of apocalyptic um, language, is that it walks that line. It is a metaphor. It is a symbol. It is a way of talking about a kind of consciousness, and also that consciousness is rooted in a time and a place. And you can't always figure it out. You know, it's, uh, it's because the language is so suggestive, 
and image rooted, it forces us to kind of walk a, a line here. Because to, to extract it from history is to extract it from a kind of groundedness. I mean, what are you supposed to say? The Son of Man is going to come. It's a metaphor. And I just, what am I supposed to just think good thoughts about a metaphor? And, and, um, no, uh, we, it needs to be rooted and grounded somewhere. And for the readers of the Gospels who experienced, particularly in the year 70, the destruction of the, of Jerusalem, the destruction of the Jewish people at the hands of Rome, the carting off of the, the sort of sacred items of the temple to Rome, like the menorah and whatever else was in the temple, um, the kind of absolute collapse and unraveling of Judea um, to the point where there is no uh, Jewish presence. I mean, Jews lived in the land of Israel uh, uh, ever since this, but not not having any autonomy or power until you know the nineteen you know forties um, in our own era. So um, this cannot be minimized, and and the readers of Matthew were experiencing this when they were hearing these words and when the Gospels were first beginning to make their rounds in the Roman Empire. People knew what Jesus was talking about when, when he was hinting around in these passages about the day of the Lord and the day of destruction and the coming of the Son of Man, and they had experienced a massive shift in their own understanding of, of, of Jesus. You know, the story of death and resurrection was a surprise. Now, I mean, floating around in the Greek world, death and resurrection was not, um, was not unheard of, you know, um, in terms of gods. Uh, but the story that this kind of peasant um, Messiah figure had died and, and resurrected, and there was um, a kind of movement happening in his name, and there was a kind of wind, a kind of fire, a kind of spirit that was evocative and provocative and was bringing in all kinds of people, Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave or free, to quote from Paul. And was kind of amazing, and and they were experiencing, you know, a a bit of uh, rejection from their own Jewish community and suspicion from Rome, Rome, and eventually a kind of persecution about the time this book was being written. So, um, this idea that stay alert, stay ready, stay open. You don't know when the sun of humanity will dawn. <laughs> Uh, will come was very potent and I think um, probably very life-giving because when um, the thing you care about, your values, your meaning, your religious system, uh, is under pressure, you know, it's, I think it's very easy to say, something like, I can't see any hope here. I can't see any light. Things are only going to get worse. And, and a kind of giving up. And I think that's what Jesus, if I can summarize what he's warning, he's saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Stay alert. <laughs> Stay present. Um, 
don't be surprised when bad things happen. That's just the way things happen. That's maybe, I got that insight actually from Tony Jones. He said, one of the things that's true about apocalypse is that you can't stop it. You know, Jesus says, stay alert. He doesn't say, hey, be good so you can stop it. No, it's like saying these things are going to happen. And that is the way of history. Empire, empires fall, empires collapse. Um, and diseases happen, and famine happens, and COVID happens, and that's the way things unfold. And maybe that's one of the great um, gifts of the Judeo, terrible gifts of the Judeo-Christian tradition. I just thought of the book of the Job. I mean, one way of thinking about the book of Job is that whatever we mean by God, God does not prevent the terrible thing from happening. The terrible thing happens. And stay alert and stay ready is kind of um, what Jesus is kind of calling us to. So maybe just a few words here on symbol here as we as I try to, to land the plane here. Um, the, the phrase, the son of man, like I said before, is I think the, one of the most alluring uh, phrases of Jesus here. And, and maybe another way of thinking about the son of humanity is to refer to it as a kind of Christ consciousness. And what I mean by that right now is the, the, life, death, life, transformation that the Christ symbol uh, points toward. That waiting in the wings at every moment, in moments of COVID and economic strain and environmental degradation and wars and rumors of wars and bioengineered crops and bioengineered body parts and crop manipulation and algorithms that know us better than we know ourselves in the midst, midst of that kind of unleashing um, the son of man might show up the Christ consciousness just might show up you'll just be in a field minding your own business and the life death life transformative image um, might dawn in your own heart might uh, take you down into the grave and back out the other side, or suck you up into darkness only to experience the tiny crack of light, which is the image at the heart of, uh, of Advent. So stay alert. <laughs> stay in service. I think that's kind of what the image here at the, um, in the passage, at the tail end of this passage, um, about the owner of the house. He's, he says, don't get lazy. Don't just eat, drink, and be merry and say, F at all. I might as well get drunk. That's kind of what the, the passage is suggesting is the temptation. When, when things feel overwhelming and we might as well just tune out and stay numb would be another way of saying it. And, um, and I, think, I think the passage is sort of just calling us to commit to serving one another, to staying alert, um, and not be sucked in by, by the age itself. Like Yeats says, mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. 
and the blood dim tide is rising and the falcon cannot hear the falconer um so that's that's the dawning of this the son of man at any moment i think is is the symbol and i think also i think in an amazing way the the image of the son of humanity or the child of humanity is saying something about the nature of of salvation from the christian point of view that it's incarnational it's it's enfleshed in something. It's in the ordinary. It's in the field. It's in the millstone. It's in the going about your business. It's in the daily life. Um, it's 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 rooted, grounded somewhere. It's ironically not way off in some other place, but is to be found and to be discovered in I think what's ordinary. Um, and I think. Maybe just to comment on the very opening of, of, the, of the passage here. But about the day or hour, no one knows, not the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And here we again meet that, um, the image here uh, that's, that Judaism held dear, the image of the divine mystery as Father here. It's something of, a, of an intelligence is at work, something of a logos, um, Something of, uh, of order is happening, a knowing. That's the image of the Father. That It's something like the great symbol of wisdom that um, brings order from chaos and, or that brings meaning into hardship uh, or, that, or that bends the universe from simple to complex. I mean, how did any of us get here? It's, a, it's some kind of intelligence from simple to complex, something from the unconscious world to consciousness, something that bends the universe toward that. That's the image of the Father. And um, it's a way of saying, you don't know, but there is a kind of intelligence that does. And, um, and don't be surprised when this intelligence breaks forth, when... Um, meaning enters into the chaos or when light enters the darkness and and jesus is saying don't be surprised just before this he uses the image of the fig tree he says just when the when the leaves begin to come forth and the twigs are tender you know that summer is near and he's saying it summer is near summer is near at hand um so what can we say from from the first reading of Advent, the first Sunday of Advent here, I think we can say the, that the invitation is to go about your business, <laughs> um, to stay connected, to stay sober, to keep watch over one's inner house, you could say, um, And to trust that something bigger is at work. And I think this is where the skepticism of the modern era uh, creeps in with its own kind of nihilism, that actually nothing bigger is at work. And, um, and Jesus, his image for that is uh, the Father knows something. The Father knows something. And, um, and maybe just in terms of, of, of a question here, what is the apocalypse actually revealing? What is the apocalypse of our own 
2020 revealing? What wants to be revealed in the ordinariness of we're going about our business in the field and uh, one is grinding and one is tending the field and in the daily life? What, what What's actually being revealed uh, in the midst of this kind of age? So that's what I'm wondering about um, from this uh, short passage here from Advent. So um, maybe you heard a word, a hint, a clue, a guess, a nudge, a nod, a wink. Um, maybe something troubles you in here. And my hope is that it will, that the cauldron will be stirred, that the pot will get stirred in your own heart and in your own uh, soul. And um, I want to wish you well this Advent season and tune in for the next podcast where I'll do the next passage uh, in in these four Sundays. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks to my Patreon supporters for supporting me and making this thing happen. I cannot thank you enough. Send me a comment, a question um, through the Patreon site. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.